This week, we have Jason Karp, who founded HumanCo. Uh, it's a modern family of healthy brands. Their first brand is coming out this week, uh, now that we're out of the embargo, but it's called Snow Days. The name is so clever. I can't wait for you to hear Jason describe the feeling that he was capturing when he came up with the brand for Snow Days, because it's a healthier pizza bite, and you're going to want to snack on them immediately. He has a lot of experience with building consumer packaged goods. His first foray into the food world was a little company called Hue, uh, which has turned into a CPG chocolate company that Mondelez actually acquired for a significant sum of money last month. Uh, so super promising. He gives us the rundown on how the first couple months of Hue Kitchen uh, in its first iteration about eight years ago were pretty epically painful, but they still had the perseverance to carry on because they saw the delight in customers' eyes when they would come into the store. Um, but tune in, we get into way deeper stuff than that. So thanks for checking out the Tartar Project. Hey everybody, Phil Toronto back. First episode, reinvigorating the Tartar Project. I have a phenomenal guest today, Jason, founder of Human Co., uh, which is a modern platform for brands, healthy brands. Um, but I will let Jason take the reins and tell you exactly what Human Co. is because he's much more into it. So thanks for having me. Um, Human Co. is a modern day holding company uh, or what some people call a platform company or a house of brands. Um, it's not a fund. It's a singular investment uh, vehicle meant to build and invest in brands that are focused on health and wellness. And, and our belief and the genesis behind why we created Human Co., is that we just feel, and I feel particularly after 20 years of doing this, that it's too difficult to live a healthy life. There's too much confusion. There's too many products out there that don't have our best interest in mind. Um, and given my experience, uh, both as a public and private markets investor, as well as building Hue uh, and Hue products with my family, um, we've realized there's a real gap uh, and that there needs to be uh, a variety of companies that consumers can trust. Um, and the reason we did it as a platform or a holding company is because we feel like there are actually a lot of synergies between the companies. Um, and we intend to build them and grow them uh, and operate them. Amazing. And you have you have one of your first brands soft launching next week. Uh, week of the, the first week of March, I should say, because that, that's when this Correct. is going to air. Oh. So. <laughs> Uh, uh, our, our first incubated brand, we currently have three brands underneath Human Co. Uh, Monty's, which is a plant-based butter and cream cheese with very simple ingredients. Um, uh, that was the first business that, that uh, we uh, uh, bought control of about a year ago. Uh, and then about six months ago, we bought Coconut Bliss, which is one of the largest plant-based uh, ice cream companies in the United States, cool. um, 100% organic, 100% uh, plant-based, uh, extremely focused on sustainability, supply chain and sourcing. And Snow Days, uh, which we're launching, soft launching next week, uh, is our first uh, human co-incubated brand from scratch. That's awesome. That's so exciting. And what what is Snow Days? <laughs> 
So the background of Snow Days and the name is actually quite, uh, uh, I think, amusing. Um, so my brief background is that uh, I was, uh, I sort of have led two kind of paths over my last 25 years or so. Um, I've been a professional investor for the last, I, I officially retired from that business. I was a hedge fund manager uh, in the beginning of 2019. Uh, but my journey and and reason behind health and wellness focus is that in my early 20s, I actually got very sick. And um, I was diagnosed with several autoimmune diseases, one of which was a degenerative eye disease where they told me I'd be blind uh, by the age of 30. Wow. And um, it was at a time when health and wellness wasn't really regarded as a modality for healing people, ironically. Uh, it, you know, it was at a time when everyone thought that you just use pharmaceuticals to fix things. And uh, in some cases, obviously, uh, pharmaceuticals work. Um, but for me, I had to go down many rabbit holes. And over the course of 18 months, um, I actually cured myself. And, and this was back in 2002, 2001 timeframe. And that set me on a, a very different path um, a, a, about really being careful and understanding and skeptical about ingredients. Uh, both in food as well as anything you put on your body. And so we at Humanco, we focus on things that you put in your body, things like food, beverage, nutrition, supplements, and things that you put on your body, things like beauty, personal care, et cetera. Um, when I was a kid, and, I, and, and, I, and many of us, I'm a, I'm a Generation X, um, but when I was a kid growing up in the, in the 80s, you know, we didn't know any of this. And I lived off of, off of what now people know as junk food. Yep. Um, and I loved it. And I loved when I went to birthday parties and even, you know, when I got older before I knew I had kind of these sensitivities, I love going to Super Bowl parties and, and bar mitzvahs and weddings and, and, and the kind of comfort foods and finger foods were, were my kind of go-to. And I loved things like pizza, pizza bites, quesadillas, pigs in a blanket, oh, yeah. um, and, and right now, stuff. unfortunately, as we've all kind of gotten older and, and, and for the younger generations, they're getting much more educated more quickly. We've all realized, you know, there's been sort of a double edged sword of getting educated, which on the one hand, it's nice to be knowledgeable now about what's good and what's not and, and how poisonous modern day living can be. But on the other hand, there's sort of this this sadness of not having the ignorance is bliss anymore. And now that you know what's in a lot of stuff, you feel guilty. And, and you're always asking questions like, shit, what's in this? Who made this? Who's behind it? And when you're at a party now and you eat something like a pizza bite, you kind of feel bad about yourself. And you don't want to eat more than a few. And you sort of treat it like it's this like indulgence that you shouldn't be doing. And, and I felt like uh, that shouldn't be. And, and when my family and I created Hue uh, eight years ago, which we're known for our organic uh, chocolate, the idea was permissible indulgence because as I've had to adapt to, you know, living a cleaner life to keep my illnesses at bay, I have felt like I have to make extreme sacrifices all the time. And it's exhausting. Yeah. And you always feel like you're on guard. And so... When, when I started coming across rare products, and there's not many of them, that I feel like have our best interest in mind and are ultra clean, you have this feeling of freedom. 
you have this feeling of liberation, like, oh, wow, I can eat this. And when we created Hugh Kitchen, our restaurant, uh, eight years ago, we wanted it to literally feel like a playground for people who didn't want to ask questions about like, what's in this? And can I trust the ingredients? And will this be good for me? We wanted you to go in and just feel like the shackles were off and you could just try anything. And with Snow Days, so first off, the name Snow Days comes from that feeling you had as a kid if you grew up in any place that had cold weather. When you'd wake up and either your mom would tell you or you'd see that ticker rolling across the screen just to hope that your school was canceled. And when you realized you didn't have school that day, there was this feeling of like, holy shit. Like Before, I have the yeah. whole day. This is amazing. Yeah. And and I wanted to capture that feeling in a product. And so Snow Days is a pizza bite. It's grain-free, gluten-free, 100% organic, uses grass-fed and organic, free-range, pasture-raised uh, mozzarella. We source from very specific farms. Um, we infuse seven vegetables into it, which you have no idea are even in there. Um, it's got much better nutritionals than pizza offerings, but it is pizza and it tastes like pizza bites. And we wanted to create something that you could actually eat as a meal and you could eat as a snack and that you could feed your kids and not feel like you were sort of doing something wrong. And we wanted to recreate that experience. And Snow Days as a brand is really trying to take crappy junk and comfort foods that we grew up with or, or we, we wished we could eat, but we know better now. And to take that category and basically eliminate all those hurdles and allow you to be free once again. That's so exciting. I just, the, the name alone, when I read that, it got so excited. I was like, that's brilliant. That I know that exact feeling that that captures it perfectly. That's so exciting. Um, so where, where did you grow up? Where did you wait to have school potentially canceled and <laughs> eat the junk food at the, at the bar mitzvahs and everything? Where Take us all the way back. Um, I grew up in a very small town. Uh, northwest of Hartford, Connecticut, called Avon. Got it. Um, Avon was sort of a middle class, uh, very rural. Um, I mean, we were closer to f farms than we were to cities. Um, and, uh, you know, pretty uh, middle class, normal, um, rural, suburban kind of existence. Um, and then uh, you know, and, and I kind of looking back on it, I, I, I loved that I grew up that way, um, where we would go outside after school. Our parents didn't even know where we were, you know, and they would just say, see you at dinner. Yep. You know, on Saturdays, we'd leave at nine in the morning and not come back until the afternoon. You know, there was no fears of kidnapping or or, you know, finding needles on the street. It was, yeah. just, you know, it was like what you saw in Stand By Me with that type of freedom. Uh, and uh, I went to uh, the Wharton School at University of Pennsylvania for college. Um, I was always very interested in business. Um, I actually went pre-med, if you could believe it. Oh, wow. And then uh, I've also always been interested in anatomy, physiology, biology. Um, but I liked business more. And I, in my first year, I realized business was more of my, I think, my calling. Um, and uh, I transferred into the Wharton School uh, for business when I got there. Uh, and then when I graduated, I went straight to a hedge fund in 1998. 
um, and, uh, you know, did a variety of different things uh, in the hedge fund world, uh, but it was all focused on investing. It was totally. primarily public companies. Uh, and then in the, the any 2010... Particular sector, any particular sector that you, that you like to focus on or spend time on? Yeah, I always gravitated on. toward healthcare, uh, consumer, and tech. Those were always my favorite sectors. Um, I, I felt they had sort of the most um, innovation. They resonated with me the most as a consumer. And I've also, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. You know, even in middle school and elementary school, you know, I was the lemonade stand guy. I was oh. always thinking about ways to try to build little businesses and experiment with stuff. Um, and I was also always a big risk taker. Um, and in many ways, it was not good risk. Right. You know, as a kid, I played with explosives and fire and, you know, chemistry kits. I was always trying to figure out how to make stuff explode. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, it was it was a really formative and valuable period for me um, because I also realized how important it is, you know, to have that freedom in your youth. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have parents that were overbearing that always were asking me, what are you doing? Are you done with your homework? You got to do this now. And in some ways, I think that was probably a little negligent. <laughs> and in other ways, I think it was great. Yeah, completely I free. Find myself by myself. Totally. Uh, do you have siblings? Yeah, I have an older sister. She's uh, about five years my senior. Very cool. And so you've been a professional investor. What, what kind of, what led you to Hugh eight years ago when you started it? Uh, so the impetus really came from, from my brother-in-law, Jordan Brown. Um, and I was, uh, so after I recovered from my illness, I had to live a much cleaner lifestyle just to sort of keep it in remission. And, and I later found out through DNA sequencing that I actually have a genetic polymorphism where I don't detoxify properly. So wow. I'm kind of like a canary in the coal mine where whatever would make you sick in 15 years makes me sick in three months. Wow. Um, and so I've had to become an expert, uh, unfortunately, in all things that are adulterants, in everything that we consume and put on our body or, or you know, interact with. My bro so I started reading a lot of books at the time, and many of them were just about human performance, evolution, you know, biohacking before like the the podcast ecosystem was really a thing. And my brother-in-law, Jordan, my wife's younger brother, um, he started reading some of the books that I was recommending. And, and some of it was on functional medicine. One of our kind of influential books was an early book by Dr. Mark Hyman, who actually has become a good friend, uh, was an investor in Hugh. Oh, wow. And, and um, uh, as Jordan and I would geek out about all of these things, Jordan didn't have my illnesses, but he noticed he looked better, he performed better, he slept better. And he really noticed that it was sort of like, almost like a free lunch. Um, and he, he came to me one day and said, you know, it's too hard for us to live this way. What if we create like a Mecca, you know, where everything inside of it, we can trust. And it's the manifestation of all these principles that we're living. And what resonated the most with me uh, and Jordan, you know, and then my wife came around to it in 09 when we had our first uh, child, our, our daughter, Isla. Um, and my wife, 
you know, it was sort of the classic um, kind of vain 20 year olds woman who was eating like Oreo hundred calorie snack packs. And she sort of didn't give a crap about the ingredients, but she cared more about like the calories, which has obviously now been disproven. And it's kind of a myth. And when she realized like, Oh my God, I'm putting this stuff in my, in my like newborn's body. Yeah. She started getting fanatical too. And, and that was the, really the Genesis. And we knew what we didn't know. Jordan came from real estate my wife was in uh, investment research. I was a, a hedge fund guy. We knew we didn't know anything about opening a restaurant, but we knew that our standards, nobody had done before. And we knew that we wanted to try it and take a big risk on it because it was unproven. Totally. And we, we did it without any outside investors. Um, we funded the whole thing ourselves. Um, we made a lot of mistakes, but ultimately we got Hugh open as a restaurant in, in October of 2012. And it really was, you know, kind of like a paleo inspired food court. Um, and, uh, and it started off as a disaster. Um, you know, we lost a staggering amount of money for the first five, six months. Uh, and, and then it just started to catch and people started coming in one time a day, then two, then three. And then it kind of got viral. And, and the background of our chocolate was sort of a, a, like an accident, um, which is we needed baking chocolate because we were making a lot of grain-free, uh, gluten-free things like muffins and scones and, and cookies. And we wanted to make them with chocolate chips. But we couldn't find chocolate that met our strict guardrails of gluten-free, dairy-free, refined sugar-free, without chemicals, without soy. So we hired a chocolatier to help us develop what, what is now the recipe that you have today. And Jordan had the idea of turning them into bars. Um, and just by a stroke of luck, one of our chefs, his girlfriend worked at Whole Foods <laughs> and he was bringing her the bars and she loved him so much. She said, can we sell these in Whole Foods? And that's how, that's how Hugh Chocolate got born. That's amazing. It's a lot of serendipity. A lot of serendipity. And, that's and, um, but what, what what remained constant, you know, and so we evolved, obviously, from a restaurant company to a consumer packaged goods company. And I was, you know, I was managing my hedge fund. Jordan and Jessica were full time at Hugh. Um, and then, uh, you know, Jordan and Jessica really built it out in the first several years. I was the chairman and largest and controlling investor uh, until we sold to Mondelez a month ago. And. Uh, you know, it was a it was an amazing journey of ups and downs and learnings. Um, but what what was clear from the whole period was that we were always focused on product and consumer trust first. Yeah, because we were the prime consumers and we never wanted to think like, do we really have to ask who's behind this? Do we really have to ask where they source this? What went into it? And so almost in a, in a way that Steve Jobs was known for being insane with his products. You know, we always felt that that's how we were with food. Totally. Um, and, and I've carried that over into many of my investments uh, within healthy living. And that is behind snow days. And that is really the genesis behind our next chapter, uh, you know, in building human co, which is my next chapter after yeah. Hugh um, is snow days is a totally different category than Hugh. Hugh is obviously snacking. Uh, Snow Days is is frozen comfort foods, um, 
but it's the same philosophy and ethos and the same standards in terms of what we're allowing and what we're not allowing. Yep. And saving yourself some time with all the learnings along the way. Yeah. A lot of learnings. When when I say, and maybe nothing jumps to mind right away, but if, if there is one key piece of advice from that first six months when you started losing a staggering, well, when you lost a staggering amount of money with you, with opening and just like an oh shit moment around looking back and saying like, oh, I know not to ever do that again. That was just a ridiculous scenario. Is there anything to kind of navigate anybody that's that's in the entrepreneurial world that's listening uh, a little bit easier, a hot take, if you will? Yeah, I'd say a couple things. Well, first off, restaurants are extremely difficult. Yeah. And, and, and I knew that before we invested in it. You know, we, we, we knew that, that the probabilities of having a restaurant that survived was very low. Um, so first and foremost, restaurants are very tough. Yeah. They were thinking of opening one. Um, I think what kept us convicted, um, and, and there were, mo- I mean, we were probably a few months from hitting this sort of abort button because it was so bad in the beginning. But what kept us convicted was the reaction of the consumers that did come in. And, and when we saw the fanaticism and the, the true, like, un kind of like the, the true love that we saw the few consumers that did come into Hugh Kitchen in those first few months, it wasn't like a normal consumption experience. You know, and, and I, I like to observe everything. And and it was like um, it was like watching a kid go into a candy store for the first time. And, and we sort of knew that if we could just expose enough people who were conscious consumers to this, that it would win. Um, and, and I always think, you know, people today talk so much about, you know, raising money, getting a good valuation. Um, which of course is necessary to fund a business. But if you build an epic product that consumers love to the point where it's so different that 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 they like post pictures about it unprompted, like that's more important than your funding. Totally. And because if you don't have a good product, like you, you it doesn't really matter. There's nothing to fund. No. Whereas if you have something that's so epic, and we started to notice this with our chocolate in the first two years. That when people found and discovered our chocolate for the first time, and by the way, we didn't know, this wasn't like an intentional thing where we were, we knew it would be this iconic. Um, and, and when people would find our chocolate, they would post about it on Instagram. Like, oh my God, I found Hugh chocolate. And, you know, to us, it was our everyday life. So we didn't think totally. it was a big deal. But you didn't see people doing that about other products. You know, you didn't see people like, I won't mention any products by name, but you wouldn't see people post like like they found, you know, like gold or something. It was right. remarkable. And so we knew we hit something great because I, I think what what we experienced as consumers ourselves, particularly me and Jordan, was that there was this bifurcation and still is for so long between healthy and delicious. And it's so hard to find the two that, that go together. And I think we we released those burdens off of consumers so that they had that trust. That makes a lot of sense. Super helpful. The product always matters. It matters more than anything. So now with with snow days, what what 
had you land on Pizza Bites as the, the first avenue to, to tackle? Because it's iconic. And I think a lot of people will be listening. and They'll be like, oh, shit, I haven't thought about them in a yeah, while. Yeah, They're yeah. delicious. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, it's it was um, it was sort of random. I mean, it, so first off, I love this stuff and, and it's very rare that I can eat it. Um, and so when I can eat it, I'm just, you know, I yeah. binge. And, and, um, you know, my kids and, and, and the idea behind this started before COVID, uh, you know, COVID is just sort of like a, like a nice, hold on. I'm, I lost my COVID is just sort of a nice benefit. Um, but it was really that, that, um, my kids were living off of chicken nuggets when they were here, you know, there's a real need for convenience. Um, I find the nutritionals in lunches to really be suffering, you know, it's sort of just bread and like a slice of Turkey or whatever right. it is that you typically feed kids or you need to be convenient. Um, I love pizza and, um, we were doing research in a bunch of areas and we could not believe how big the market was in our research in terms of, uh, hot pockets and pizza rolls. Yep. Um, and the market leader in pizza rolls is Totino's. Um, and, and you would be shocked with how big Totino's is. And, and I, I had Totino's as a kid, but I never looked at the ingredient label. Yep. And now I, and I hadn't looked at, I, I hadn't thought about pizza bites in probably a decade. And I looked at the ingredient label Totino's and I encourage everyone listening to this to do it. They don't even use real cheese. And it says imitation cheese. And the ingredient label is over 60 ingredients long. And most of it is non-food substances. And so then it just got me thinking, like, what a shame this is. Yeah. And then we started looking around. And there's some decent stuff that's out there. You know, there's some gluten-free stuff. There's some organic stuff. There's nothing that uses grass-fed. There's nothing that uses grain-free, gluten-free. And all of it uses kind of highly processed canola oils or sunflower oils that are very industrialized um, and, and have been shown to be highly inflammatory in certain cases. And so we went with straight up olive oil. It's a very simple ingredient label, what we're using. And, and then we wanted to see if we could do it. Yeah. And, and because there were a lot of concerns, obviously, that the only way you can make a pizza roll perform in terms of crispiness, in terms of how it bakes in terms of how it tastes, is with all this fake shit. And so we went to the drawing board and we went through literally dozens of iterations. And, and the, the version that you're going to try um, is actually uh, version 8.2. Oh, wow. And we start at 1.0. That's crazy. Um, and, and, and then the, the most important thing that we do when we do R&D is what we call the kid test. Because I, I have a palate now that likes healthy food, but like my kids don't like healthy food. So if, if it passes the kid test, I think, you know, you have a winner and ours passed with flying colors and we're so excited about how it came out. Oh, it's so that's amazing. I, I cannot wait to try it. Um, big week, really pumped. Is there anything you can share? I mean, it, the first product's launching. So normally I would ask like, oh, what's in the pipeline? It's like, well, what's in the pipeline is the company's coming out. So that's super exciting. Yeah, so it's a soft launch next week. It's direct to consumer only. We're not going to launch in retail probably until early next year. Um, and uh, 
you know, again, it's, 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 it's not the full launch. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we have enough supply uh, for the amount of inbound interest we've already received. Um, but again, like w- making healthy stuff is not easy. No. And no we don't have an ego about it because in, in uh, modern food science, which uses a lot of chemistry, now today with many of the plant-based items that are out there uses synthetic biology, which is still not proven, by the way. Um, it's short-term safe by the FDA, but some of the stuff that's coming out is horrifying in terms of people just blindly accepting that it's going to be fine right. because they've done a three-month study on it. We are taking the opposite approach with Humico, which is we're not doing food tech you know, with, with biochemistry and synthetic biology. We are making things the hard way. And, and we are open to your consumers and our consumers that we think this version is amazing, but we will keep innovating and we'll get feedback. And we just want everyone to know that we're in this journey together, that making stuff this way is not easy because with modern food chemistry, if they want it to be a little crispier or a little saltier or have a little taste on the back of your palate, they use chemicals to achieve that. We're not using that. We're using real food. And so it's an iterative process, but I think our consumers are going to love this. That's incredible. I think last thing before I let you go, where can people find you? So HumanCo, uh, the, the, the parent company is humanco.com. Um, our handles across social are at HumanCo Brands. Uh, and Snow Days right now is just sort of a, uh, a landing page, snowdays.com. Um, you can put your email in, and I think when when this is airing, we will be live. Yeah, you so should be all live. the information about Snow Days, uh, uh, the product, how you can order it, will all be on snowdays.com. Amazing! Thank you so much for joining me today, Jason. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That was great. Awesome. Cool. All right. I'm going to let it ride because I'm going to record an intro and everything, but I really appreciate you taking the time. And to make do sure we get you some samples. Oh, I can't wait. They're epic, dude. I They're epic. And, and the other thing I, I, I failed to mention, um, they only take nine minutes to cook. Oh, and, yes. And a, a lot of like my kids have chicken nuggets that take 28 minutes. Yeah, it's crazy. And like who has time for that? Yeah. I so, made waffle fries for the Super Bowl in 28 minutes. Right. Like, right. These are nine minutes. Time. They'll crisp up. Um, if you, if you want them crispier, they leak a little bit, which is fine. You could sort of scoop off the leakage and it's delicious. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can make five or six at a clip and go have fun. Oh, I'm in. I can't wait. Dude. Thank you again. All right. If I can help with anything going forward, I obviously blank thing. I'll I'll shoot you an email though. Yeah. Look, just help propagate our mission. Great. You know, we want, I mean, my goal is actually not the revenue, my goal is to create a parent brand, which doesn't really exist in food, where people can pick up a product or a package and they've never heard of it. And they see that it says made by HumanCo. And they go, oh, I know what HumanCo is. I'll try this. Yep. It's all they need. And, and if we get there, I think we did it. Awesome. Cool. Have a great day. Great, buddy. great to see you. See you.